We're going to be in the book of Revelation today, but I, I got to tell you, I love going out for breakfast. Anybody like breakfast? All right. I can do breakfast any time of the day, but my favorite breakfast is that thing with uh, uh, hollandaise sauce. Eggs Benedict. So I looked this up. I've been eating it for years and years. I looked it up. You know, it's actually egg yolks and lemon juice. And it's, it's really some excellent stuff. And, uh, but I get it all the time. And uh, I, go to the, I go to my restaurant the other day and I ordered it. And all of a sudden there's this like flurry. And they come out with it. And instead of it looking like this, they brought it out on a chrome plate. And I'm like... What's the deal? I get this all the time. It doesn't come out in the... It, 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 was, it was December, but that was really the only thing that was different. And my waiter said, listen, there's no plate like chrome for the hollandaise. <laughs> Y'all don't even deserve it, so I'm going to go over here. All right, you ready over here? My wife gives me a hard time because I eat a lot standing up. I don't know why, I just do. I just make my plate and I'll stand there and eat. And sometimes I read standing up. So the other night I'm, stand, I'm reading the Christmas carol because I'm just kind of wanting to get into the, you know, the Christmas spirit. Drop the book on my toe. Hurt like the Dickens. <laughs> All right, a couple things I want to tell you, and then we'll dive into the text. The hope trees are still out there uh, in the lobby. That's for third world countries. It's to support widows, orphans, to buy seeds for farming, goats. It all The gospel goes with all of it, but uh, those trees are on both sides there. Um, we also want to tell you about Christmas Eve, about the offering. I told you about Christmas Eve, but every year we do a Christmas Eve offering, a special offering, and it reflects Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says that we are to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It's four circles. And you start locally and you work your way globally. So if you're catching up, this will be the last service of the year. Will be You can still mail things in, but this will be the last service. So if you need to, to bring in your tithes and offerings, you bring those in. But there will be special Christmas envelopes, and this is where the money's going to go. Uh, the first ring is here locally. Family Renew is a, a ministry down on uh, Ridgewood that takes in families that are in need, getting themselves back on their feet, uh, mostly women with children. And uh, we support that and have been for many years. North Florida Christian Camp is the next, the next one in the circle. A lot of our children, teenagers go there for camp. Then we're helping to plant a church in the Appalachian Mountains with a ministry called Anchor Ridge. That's actually who's running the cafe this week. And we're going to plant a church in Da Nang, Vietnam. That's what we're going to do with uh, the Christmas offering. So you, uh, you can be praying. You can be praying about that. Now, I was not going to do anything special today. I thought I'm going to tell you about this and leave it alone. Well, here's what's come on our plate. Um, when I, about 15 years ago, I went to Guatemala with a friend of mine, and I use that term loosely. Uh, he said, Joe, you need to come see this. So I went to Guatemala with my friend Rick Groves, and um, he took me into the most horrible place. And I've been in a lot of horrible places around the world. But there's a ditch in Guatemala City called La Limonade. It translates into the lemonade. Um, if you ask people in Guatemala about this ditch, it does not exist. 
It is a suburb of the city, but it does not exist. These people are non-people. 100,000 people live in this sewer. That's the only way to say it, both physically and spiritually. It is a sewer. After two days of being in this place that I cannot describe to you, gangs everywhere, 14-year-old kids running around with machine guns, it's, it's horrific what goes on there. And Rick took me to a Chinese restaurant, and he sat me down, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, Joe, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> so for the last 15 years, we've been trying to do something about that. We now have five schools and two churches that are working in that in that valley. We run food programs. We do other things. Well, anyway, through a series of events, I found out that there is no food in that valley right now, and they need $10,000 just to buy food to get them through Christmas. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to put it on the table and let our people do what God wants. So out of guest services, there's a box. We just let the Holy Spirit take it from there. All right. Now, I do want to say this, Charles Dickens. There was a guy named Charles Dickens in our church. When I came 28 years ago, he went by, he went by the name Chuck. And uh, Chuck Dickens was a, was a deacon here for many, many years, served faithfully. He and his wife, Carolyn, were great friends of mine. Uh, Chuck went to be with the Lord this week. And uh, so I know Carolyn's watching. And so, Carolyn, we love you. We're going to pray for her. But I thought I would use this time to pray for everybody who's dealing with grief um, I know you didn't get to go to a lot of funerals this year, a whole bunch of stuff going on, so let's just start with some prayer. Father, the, <clears throat> the pain of the last nine months is really kind of hard to quantify. The problems with marriages, with alcoholism, with drugs, with abuse, and sadly with grief. And I lift up Carolyn Dickens and her family to you. I thank you for all the faithful service, but I pray also for everyone else in this room. There's probably not a family untouched here in the room that hasn't faced grief this year. So I'm asking you, Father, to work mightily to bring comfort and healing and that you would surround us with the love that only you can bring and the hope that only you can bring and the assurance that one day we'll be together again. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, we'll get your Bibles out. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation's a scary book. People are afraid to read it. I tell you, don't be. Um, when you get to the end, when it gets really, really bad, the goal is not to be here. All right? That's the whole point. If you accept Jesus, you get your act together up front, you don't have to get to what happens at the back, and you don't have to worry about the gory details in the back of the book. But here's a little setup about the story, because we're going to talk about this in depth Christmas Eve. The disciples all died horrible, gruesome deaths because they believed in Jesus. So those of you that think the, think the idea of Jesus and the resurrection was faked, I want you to think about that. So it was faked, the whole thing was collusion, and 11 men and their families were willing to be slaughtered and nobody spilled the beans. They all died horrific deaths, all but... John, the Apostle John. Now, John was actually the inner circle guy. I know we've been told it was Peter. Certainly Peter's a special guy. But John was the one at the cross. When Peter ran away, John's at the cross. And if you'll remember, Jesus from the cross tells John, John, here's my mom. You take care of her. 
John would take care of Mary until the day she died. She's buried in Ephesus, western Turkey in Ephesus. But they did try to kill John. The Romans, if they were anything, they were really good at torture. And so the Romans decided for John there would be a special way to die. They would boil him in oil. It's a tough way to go. The problem is, this is not in the Bible, this is just historical. John did not die, nor did the oil burn his skin. So after a period of time, they took him out and they stuck him on an island by himself, an island called Patmos, which you can go to today. It is in the middle of the Aegean Sea. And there is where John had this vision where Jesus spoke to John. And this is what he wrote. This is chapter 1, if you'll stand out of respect for God's word. All right. John to the seven churches. There were seven churches in Asia Minor, western Turkey today. He says, grace and peace to you, pay, pay attention, from him who is, you see the current? He is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, that word is angels. Each church that's ever been planted has an angel representing them and standing in front of the Father. So there is a Tomoka angel that is standing praying for this church and praying for each one of you as individuals. That's pretty cool. Uh, standing before the throne of God. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, never to die again. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, currently is, who was and is to come, the Almighty. You can be seated. So we're not talking about some conglomerate God. And again, this has been going on from the beginning of time. But here in our 21st century American culture, we live with this idea and, and it is proliferated all over television. It is, it is pushed at you uh, locally by saying happy holidays. And, you know, and I just, it's no big deal. I'll just respond with Merry Christmas. But the issue is it's all about multiculturalism. All gods are the same. Your God's not special. I choose to worship a tree. I choose to worship a horse. I choose to worship Buddha. You choose to worship Jesus. They're all the same. Let me give you some quotes. When Buddha was dying, Buddha said, I don't have any idea how to get to heaven. When Muhammad was dying, Muhammad said, I have no clue how to get to heaven. Direct quotes. When Jesus was alive, he said, I am the way. And he raised from the dead to prove that very fact. So in this idea of multiculturalism, you need to understand that Jesus proclaims himself to be currently alive. There are no other gods that stand in that realm. He says, the God who is, who was, I came, and I will come again. There's the promise that's there. So the Almighty the king of kings. He said, I am the king above the kings who are on the earth. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God above all supposed gods. 
And what did he come to do? Well, it says there, if you look at it, it says, by his blood, please look, look at your Bibles because what I say is irrelevant if it's not the Bible. By his blood, we have been set free. Do you see that? Now, I like it. That's just wrong. I'm like, that's just not the right translation. It doesn't make sense. By his blood, we have been set free. I don't know why they translated it that way. What the word is, by his blood, you have been cleansed. It's very clear what the, what the, the Greek word is there. By his blood, you have been made clean. Because I can open the door and let you out of jail and you can still be filthy. Yes? But there's a big difference in being out of jail and being a criminal and being washed clean. That's the hope that's being offered here. That is the picture of baptism. We had a baptism last night before the service. A young, young girl gave her life to Jesus. There's something special when you're standing there in the middle of eternity. You know eternity's happening in front of you. And she said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And she goes under the water. And here, it's a little more complex, but that moment where she's connecting with Jesus, it's electric. I love it at the ocean because there's the symbolism. We throw you into a, a rogue wave, and then we pull you back up. And then there's a picture of your sins being rolled right back out to sea. Or in a river, when we baptize people in a river, where do the sins go? Right on down the stream. That's the word that is used there. Here's a picture of the fort in St. Augustine. That you all have, you go up there to eat shrimp and other things. But that is, uh, that is uh, St. Mark, San Marcos, right? It's been there forever. Oldest city, oldest European city, city in the United States. But one of the greatest stories in American history happens right here. The French were inside that fort in 1702. And the British had a fleet sitting out in the harbor. And the fleet waited till dark. And then they unloaded on the fort. Does anybody know this story? Did you actually pay attention when you went to the fort? Anybody? Okay, all right, we have one. All right, one person paid attention. All right. All those poor guides up there. I hope you tipped them well. Um, so the British start bombing. And the British are pretty good at what they do. And they are just nailing the fort over and over and again. But they've never seen Coquina Rock. All they know is when you shoot a huge iron ball into rock, it explodes. So what the French would do every time there would be a lull, when things would get quiet, they're reloading the cannons, they would send guys over the walls with white paint. And they would paint right over all the destruction, be a big old hole, and they would just paint that whole hole so from the fleet side, it looked like nothing had hit it. They shoot all night. The next morning, the British look over and there's not one shot that hit the fort that they can see because it's all been covered. My friends, that's what Jesus did, not just for you and me, but for the whole world. That's the price that Jesus paid. He didn't just open a cell and set you free. He covered over all of your bad thoughts, all of my bad thoughts, all of your bad words, all of your bad deeds, all of your lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, wherever you need to go with that story, Jesus' blood covers all of it. And I don't know about you, but it took a lot of white paint to cover up mine. 
That's what Jesus offers. When he says, by his blood, your sins have been cleansed, it is a picture not of perfection. It is a picture of a life that has been bombed by yourself, by others, people saying things to you, doing things to you. Your life is full of all kinds of holes, but Jesus covers all of it. Psalm 51 David said, cleanse me and I will be clean. Then in verse 10, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David said, I want that. David longed for it. And you and I get it as a free gift for everyone who will accept Jesus as their Savior. If you're online, there's a button. I have decided. You can push that. People will follow up. Here, you come over here to the right side, Palm Bay and land. Go to the right side of the stage. There'll be people there to answer questions, pray for you. But he came. He came to give us a cleansing. And there's something about a bath. I don't know how you feel about that. But when I, when I get invited to some of these places around the world, this is all I ask for. I say, look, I don't have to sleep. I can go a long time without sleep. I may be incoherent, but I can go a long time without it. And I don't even have to eat. As much as I love Eggs Benedict, I don't have to eat. I can make it. But there's one thing I ask you. i got to have a shower. I don't care if it's a pipe sticking out of the wall. I don't care if it's a bucket that I have to pour over my head. But I hate not having a shower in the morning. That's all I ask for. And what we all need is that cleansing. Isn't that right? That's, that's what we have to have. And without that cleansing, we live very filthy lives. <coughs> and then he says, <coughs> not only has he made us clean, but he made us to be kings and priests. I love this. Peter picks up on this phrase. This is John. Peter picks up on this phrase, 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, he has made us a, a nation. He has called us out. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's talking to the church. You are a chosen people. Why am I chosen? Because you chose Jesus. You're a holy people. How are you holy? You're full of holes. I'm holy because Jesus covered over those holes. You are a royal priesthood. What's a priesthood do? A priesthood represents all of mankind back to God. That's what the church does. Our job is to minister to all those that are within our circle. That's why we share the story. That's why we invite. That's why we tell our story to other people. That's, that's the whole point. But you have been taught, and no matter how hard we try to get away with this, you have been taught that you're just a product of chance. You're an accident. You're an amoeba that crawled up on the shore. And it's awful hard. It's funny. They teach you that you're a product of cells that exploded, that there's nothing special about you, but yet you should have deep, solid self-esteem. That's sort of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? No, my self-esteem comes because Jesus said, I will make you kings, queens, and priests. So when you look at yourself in the mirror... I understand what psychologists say. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you hear words that your daddy said. Or you hear words that your mama said. Or you hear words that an uncle said. Or you're reminded of how somebody treated you physically, psychologically. And you look in the mirror and see all the scars and all the hurts. 
But Jesus came so you could look in the mirror and say, I'm a king. I'm a queen. And you know what? This is nothing like worldly stuff. You know, it's like, can you imagine? I, and I, I shouldn't make light, but what do I care? Um, <clears throat> Prince Charles, God bless him, 75 years old. He's like, when is that lady going to die? You know, he's been, he been waiting to be king. He's going to have to be king for like an hour, and then he's going to check out. Um, we get to be kings and queens and priests for all eternity. Nobody's going to take that away. It's not an earthly, this is not an earthly kingdom. We will be kings and queens in the kingdom of God where it truly matters, not here in this world where it's all just passing through anyway. Lamentations 3.24 said, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So you can have your portion in this world, but Jeremiah, who wrote that, said, I'll take God's portion. I'll take what God has for me behind the curtain. But maybe the biggest part to this whole story, because again, as you get to the back of the book, it gets painful. It says that Jesus came to bring us hope. Now listen to me, and a lot of you that are watching online. We have a dearth of hope in our culture today, and I get it. Some of it's being isolated, and uh, the statistics on, oh, wow, everything. Marriage problems, divorce, suicide, alcoholism, drug addiction. It's, they're all off the chart through the roof, doing far more damage to us than, than any plague could ever do. Because we're not meant to be separated and isolated, and people are living without hope. And sadly, because hope generally for most people is what they're looking for in this world. And we say things like this, I hope this happens. And I hear people say this, I hope I go to heaven. If you say, I hope I go to heaven, you're probably not going. Because when you know Jesus, you say, I know Jesus Christ, therefore I have hope. Do you hear the difference? The definition of the word hope biblically is a confident expectation of good from God to me. A confident expectation of good from God to you. That's biblical hope. Not, I hope I win the lottery. Not, I hope this happens. It is, it is a concept of what God has done. I want to show you how special you are. Let's, this is, again, evolutionists drive me crazy. Um, because they won't look at truth. This is a tree. Maybe you've seen one. Um, the tree has one job besides standing there and looking good. Does anybody know what a tree does? Sure you do. It filters the air. Now, a tree lives on carbon dioxide. So every time I exhale the stuff that my body can't use, the tree says, thank you very much, and takes that in. The tree takes in the carbon dioxide and says, hey, Joe, you want some oxygen? I got some. Here you go. Isn't evolution amazing? But the tree, specifically, as you look at that tree, it is designed to filter air. That's what it does. They call them what? The lungs of the planet? Here's what your lungs look like. Huh. How about one more? Here's the rings of a tree. You ever looked at your fingertips? Purely by accident, I suppose. Twelve years ago, I got diagnosed with leukemia. A lot of you know the story, some of you don't. 
And uh, when you hear that word, it's not a good day. Um, if you've heard any cancer word, it's not a good day. Uh, you start uh, worrying about wills and your children and other things. And um, I had the privilege to have Dr. Weiss as my oncologist. And Dr. Weiss sits down with me for a couple hours. I know more about blood than I ever wanted to know. I can explain to you a 923 chromosomal switch, and you're like, what the heck is that? You don't want to know, right? Because if you know, you have leukemia. And um, he says, but Joe, and again, you're, at this point, I'm in a deep fog. He says, but I've got good news for you. He said, we have the magic bullet for the, for the cancer that you have. Now, that's hard to hear because all you're hearing is the word cancer. He said, there's actually a pill that has about a 95% success rate. Well, 12 years later, I'm still standing here telling you bad jokes, so the pill, the pill must be working. I say that for some of you to hang on and to have hope, but I also want to teach you something from it, okay? So I get this bottle of pills every month. Retail value, $9,000. Yeah, beautiful, right? Thank you for insurance, all right? And they don't even, they won't fill it till I show up because they're hoping that I die in between. So, but if I don't take those pills, guess what happens? I'll die. Not right away. It would take a while. My body would break down slowly. I would get an infection because I'd have no immune system. And so that's what would happen if I don't take it. So you know what I do? I take the pill. How about that? Because the magic bullet would do no good if I didn't take it. I have a magic bullet here. This is a, a 380, I think, that I'm holding. And this, this bullet looks impressive. But we practiced this earlier. If, it, it won't hurt you, watch. I practiced just to make sure. <laughs> it won't hurt you at all because it's not used properly. Now, if I put it in a gun, it will protect me. It would kill a deer. It would drop almost anything, anything around. But if I don't use the magic bullet, it doesn't change anything. Jesus came to be that magic bullet. It doesn't make sense. You mean my sins can really be wiped out? My sins can be whited over. All those thoughts, all those things I did back in my teens and my 20s and last week. Yeah. The blood of Jesus is almost too good to be true. But it's amazing that people would rather tear the story apart than embrace the story of Jesus coming. So we'll finish with this. A whole lot of guys through history have called themselves gods. And this has been the battle throughout history. Pharaoh thought he was God. Genghis Khan thought he was God. Stalin, Napoleon, Chow, Mao, whatever his name is. Sorry. <laughs> Many men, they didn't want to be God. They thought they were God. But only one God became man. And the reason he did was not to be born in a manger. That's, that's part of the story so that we'll know that the story's true. He came to cover our sins. Father, I thank you that you give us hope. I thank you that you came to make us kings and priests.
I'm so grateful that you and you alone would step into our world to cover up all the deficiencies, all the holes, all the self-inflicted wounds, all the wounds that the world, family, friends, ex-spouses, grief, all those holes. And we have a God who not only lets us out of jail, but cleanses us and brings us hope. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.